You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come on. I have a great word for you today, but I just want to start by telling you I'm so happy to be here and I love you and God loves you. And more than anything today, I hope you leave with an imprint on your soul, knowing how loved you are, how valuable you are as a human and how God placed you in this time in history with a divine intent. God looked through, because he knows the beginning from the end, he's actually already out of time, he's in eternity, he knew 2020 was going to happen, and he hand-carved you to be part of this moment in history, because he said to himself, they've got the goods. When they were deciding who would be where when, he's like, I'm going to put them in 2020. (laughs) 2021, where it's like the whole tree shook. And we're hanging on like monkeys for dear life. But, but here you are, and God knew exactly, exactly what he was doing. So don't be afraid. Be elated that God chose you for this moment. We've already won. Can I start with that? I, I may get into, you know, just kind of maybe highlighting some of the problems we're, in, we're facing in society right now. But I want your overarching filter to be, we win. Jesus is already seated at the right hand of the Father with a victory notice in his hand. So I want you to understand that today. We, we lead from and we live from a position of victory and jubilation. But we're still in the war for humankind. So there's a reason when you got saved, when you asked the Lord into your heart, that you didn't immediately get transported into heaven. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, my work, it's like the Holy Spirit's like, my work is done. Tick, ding, up they go. Do you know why God didn't make it so that you immediately levitated to heaven after you received Jesus into your life? Because he needed you here. Because he needed you to be his witnesses. So we could create more uh, salvation moments to disciple people. So there's a reason you're, you're here, and I want you to know that today. All right, the title of my message this morning is Rescue Mission. I am an avid Bible reader. I was born and raised in the church, and I love reading Bible stories. Any other Sunday school alumni in the house here today? Yeah. So, you know, and God always speaks to me through his word, and I love it. Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number three, says this. It says, whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. This is Solomon, the smartest man that other ever lived. But what's he saying? History will constantly repeat itself. Have you noticed that the face of a clock is circular? It's not linear. Do you know why? Because we keep going around and around and around, and what has been will be again. And I was reading through the Bible. I love the book particularly of 1 Samuel. I love Judges, and I love the book of 1 Samuel because I feel like we're living in these times. We're literally in a repeat cycle of what happened in Judges and Samuel, and I'm sure many people who have gone before me have said the same thing. But I want to read to you a story about King Saul. 
Now, most of you that know about King Saul know that it didn't really end well for him. He, he became quite abusive in his, in his leadership position, which can sometimes happen. Sometimes power can corrupt people. Hello, California. But there was a time when Saul was a good king, when he was actually leading and reigning rightly before he got affected with his own ego. And I want to read you a story from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. It says this, Nahash the Ammonite, somebody say Nahash. Nahash. Now it's important that you know the name Nahash means serpent. The name Nahash means uh, snake. So what we're, what we're about to read is an encounter with a serpent, a snake, or a devil, the devil. Nahash the Ammonite, bad guy, went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. Now Jabesh Gilead was a small town on the outskirts of Israel. They used to be part of the tribe of Israel, but then something went down, and I'm going to get to that a little bit later, and they were now on the outskirts, okay? He went up, Amosh, uh, sorry, Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, make a treaty with us and we will be subject to you. Okay, I mean, write this down. Never make a treaty with the devil. We'll just start there, all right? When Nahash the serpent, the snake turns up, don't immediately go, oh, hey, don't hurt us. We'll make a treaty with you. But Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make a treaty with you only on the condition that, I, condition that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all Israel. Wow, this just went from bad to worse. What in the world? The elders of Jabesh said to him, give us seven days so we can send messengers throughout Israel. If no one comes to rescue us, we will surrender to you. And when the messengers came to Gebeah of Saul, so they went into Israel and they found King Saul, well, they found the people of Saul and reported these terms to the people, they all wept aloud. A fitting response when you hear that your brethren are about to be enslaved and have their right eyes gouged out. Just then, King Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen. And he asked, what is wrong with everyone? I mean, that's a question for our times, isn't it? <laughs> Why are they weeping? Then they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. And when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. Yeah. And he burned with anger. Oh, I like this soul. He took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel. He got FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gave him a whole lot of chopped up cattle and said, this is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Sounds a bit savage, but I'll get to the reason why. I, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people and they came out together as one. That's a pastor's dream right there. 
When Saul mustered them at Bezek, the men of Israel numbered 300,000 and those of Judah, 30,000. So 330,000 when they all came together. They told the messengers who had come, say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, I love it, you will be rescued. It's like Braveheart. When the messengers went out and reported this to the men of Jabesh, they were elated. And they said to the Ammonites, tomorrow we will surrender to you and you can do to us whatever you like. The next day, Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the the night, they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. All right, that needs a big old amen because this is a victory story. The devil tries to infiltrate the outskirts of Israel, the small disenfranchised town of Jabesh Gilead, and he demands there not only that they uh, serve him, that they become his slaves, but to gouge out their right eyes. And when they called for help from the people of Israel, help came and that very sophisticated, very real enemy was taken out and taken down and a generation of Jabesh Gileadians ended up being saved and rescued and not having to live in slavery. Everything that was will be again and everything that's been has already been. We're living in this time. Now, this story is literally what you and I are living out in our day today. Nahash is standing on the outskirts trying to, trying to enslave the next generation of vulnerable people and gouge out their eyes, change the way that they see enslave them and change the way that they see. This is the time we're living in. Here's why this bothers me a little bit. This, well, it bothers me a lot. But let me tell you why it bothers me. Revelation 12.12 says, Rejoice, you heavens, and all those who live therein. Have we got that scripture? And all you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea. Who lives on the earth here? All of us. Dang it. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens. Okay, so they're rocking on up there. And those who dwell in them, they're having a party. But woe to the earth and the sea. Why? Because the devil, the serpent, Nahash has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Here's where I have a problem. That the enemy is more aggressive with his agenda to pervert and blind the eyes of a generation than many Christians and the church has been with the message of rescue, the message of salvation. But isn't it just like the Lord to, to allow the heat to be turned up in such a way that it's almost, not, it's almost impossible not to respond? 2020 and 2021 have demanded a response from the church. Demanded a response. I'm going to break this story down here. And and there are a couple of things that the the Holy Spirit has spoken to me through this story that I think are very prevalent to the era and the time we're living in today. So I'm going to give you three points. Then we're going to pray. All right. So I want you to lean in because here's the amazing thing that, that happens when you hear someone speak. It's almost like the air is alive. 
and, and you'll find if you're a preacher and you hear another preacher preaching, that you'll get messages while they preach. So, so if, you, if, you're, if that's you, Alex, if I see you taking notes and writing a message, I'm okay with it because I do that too. But, but you'll find that God is speaking to you about your personal situation. I, I, I cannot know everything that's going on in your world as much as I would like to, but the Lord does. And the Holy Spirit's here and he's going to speak to you specifically. Okay? All right. The first thing, the first point I want to bring out from this story is this. There is a time to weep and a time to warfare. Have a think about it. So when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead turned up to Israel and told them what Nahash was about to do to them, the response was they all started weeping. They were, they were completely grieved over what they were hearing. Now, if, if you can't cry or have compassion or empathy for the pain or the plight of others, then some, there's something wrong with you. We're, we're called to be a compassionate people. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. However, he didn't let it just remain at compassion. His compassion moved him to action. And I would put it to you today that the church has been weeping for too long over things that they should be warfaring against. There's a time for weeping, yes. Ecclesiastes tells us that. But there's also a time for war. And, and we need to discern the times. Right now, we are in a time of warfare. We are in a time of warfare where our grief and our sadness over the plight of the world must lead us to action. There is a time to weep and a time to warfare. So the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. And in this church, we're going to pray for, when, you, when you're saved, let me just break it down. When you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. There's also a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'll find at prayer meetings and in church, we're going to create moments for you to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Yeah. So something happened here when the Spirit of the Lord came on Saul. He became righteously angry. So when we look at the world around about us with the confusion and with the deception that we're seeing across the world, it should make us righteously angry. It should lead us to go to warfare, to go to action. Now in this day and age, just in case I'm being filmed by someone who wants to use it against me, we're not slaughtering people. I'm not talking about physically harming anyone or storming the Capitol or impaling somebody with an American flag. All right, all right, just calm down. What I am talking about is actually being engaged in the battle for the souls of men and women. It is a real fight. It's a real fight. Okay, let me work this out a little bit. So, so how do we do that in this day and age? Well, Jesus told us the last words of an ascending man go into the whole world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but then he goes, and I want you to teach them to obey everything I have commanded yeah. you. Yeah, now, now, this last part is where the church has had a problem. Yeah. We've, been, we've, we've been epic evangelists for the most part when we weren't lazy. Uh, we, we're happy to have baptisms. Nothing wrong with no shame in that game. But to actually tell somebody, teach them to do what? This is America. 
the land of liberty and freedom. I can do whatever I want. Yes, you can. That's the issue. <laughs> you really can. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so, and so we've stopped short at the point of teaching others how to live because we didn't want to offend anybody. We didn't want to tell you that maybe the way you're living is going to cause you harm and sorrow and grief and sadness that, that God doesn't want for you. So here's what happened. Let, let me just un, unravel it for you. The, the boomer generation and maybe the, just the slightly post-boomer generation was so afflicted with brutal truth that they swung the pendulum too far in the other direction. I will never raise my kids that way. And my parents, they were hard on me and they weren't loving. And none of, none of that's right and none, none of that's good. But, but the, the balance to that is not tossing truth out. And that's what much of our culture has done. Much of our culture has tossed out truth. We've become very, very grace heavy. And I love grace. And we're talking about that at the end. But very truth light. So, so what has that done? That's raised a generation who have no clarity. If I were to, to ask someone 20 years ago what a woman was, they would be able to answer me. Right now, it's up for debate. If you had have said 40 years ago that there are 64 genders, you would have been laughed out of town. Right now, in most colleges, it's widely accepted. You're going to have a battle with kids in the mall as you're walking through and they got their little petitions and all those kinds of things. So, so the collateral of not fulfilling the latter part of the Great Commission and being embarrassed by truth, thinking it was a stumbling block and divisive and offensive, has raised a generation who cannot see clearly. Who, who the devil is, I'm going to gouge out your right eye. So, so you see dimly, you see blurry, you don't see how God intended you to see. Can, can, I, can I get an amen? That's exactly, exactly what's happening. So we have to understand that it is a time to warfare. How do we warfare? We warfare with handling the truth rightly. Handle it rightly. Not, not brash. And look, I, I, I love memes. I love them. I think they're great. But, but sometimes you have to go the long way around. Because we're in a generation that has been so indoctrinated by the spirit of this world, by the spirit Nahash that has taken out their right eye so they don't see clearly if you just go, it's Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. I mean, look, I get it. But, but the majority just think, well, you're being obnoxious. So, so here's, 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 we have to learn how to handle the truth rightly, which means we have to know the God of truth. We have to know God. We have to know the spirit and the heart of God. A lot of people speak for God, but they don't have God's heart or spirit. And then on top of that, we have to know what truth is. And you got no point piping off about what is and isn't if you don't read your Bible. So, so for all means and purposes, unless you're going to digest this thing, know the Spirit of God and know the Word of God, then you're better off doing what the Bible says and remaining silent so people don't think you're a fool. Because there are people who have done more damage than help in the church simply because they've spoken for God but they haven't had the heart of God and they haven't known the why behind the what. We've got to handle truth Rightly. Now, when you look at the Bible, look at, look at Jesus, for example. Um, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus was an expert at wielding truth. And he never compromised truth. He was always honest. But have a look what he did. 
he's met with a woman caught in sin. She's been dragged out in front of everybody, and she's been caught in the very act of adultery. The first thing he does is he gets down. He's not looking at anybody else. He's focusing on her. He's getting in the midst of her mess and the violence and the emotion of the moment. And the Bible says, looking at no one but the woman. He said to her, I don't condemn you. In other words, I accept you and I love you. However, we got to talk about this sexual sin issue because this sexual sin issue almost got you killed. <laughs> it's oppressing you. So if this, this, is how we, this is how we deal with truth and actually liberate as opposed to just agitate. Truth liberates arrogance, not going the long way around, not having the right conversation the right way, unnecessarily agitates. Why do we do this? We do this because sin is oppressive. I don't just call out sin because the Bible says so and I was raised by my grandpappy over what was right and what was wrong. And it's, it's all true. But, but however, what's the issue behind the issue? Why does God hate sin? Why did God have to send his son Jesus to die on the cross? Because sin kills people. And he, he cares about you. It's oppressive. So we've got, to get, we've got to get comfortable with handling the truth rightly. It doesn't mean that we say nothing like the boomers who were afraid of being like their parents before them who, who beat everybody over the head with brutal truth and sent more people out of church than into it. Well, we, 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 we've got to be able to have a conversation with someone that allows them to go on their own journey with God of which Jesus is at the end. Truth is at the end. And... and and the Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Truth isn't a thing or a concept. It's a person. It's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So let me give you an example. Jürgen and I were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, this week. Loved it. First time I'd ever heard of Albuquerque was on Looney Tunes when Bugs Bunny was burrowing through the earth. And he popped up and he goes, oh, I should have taken a left at Albuquerque. Okay, so I... I've never forgotten it because of that. So I was, anyway, I was in Albuquerque and we were buying shoes at Macy's and um, we go up to the, the, the cash register to check out and the woman says, would you like to donate to this particular uh, charity? And we're like, well, tell us what it is because I'm not putting my money in a charity that I don't agree with. And she said, well, it's this thing and it helps people transition um, those who are struggling with their gender, it helps these transgender youth find counseling and pays for surgeries, right? Oh, yeah. So this was, I mean, you would understand my husband. To start with, if a Jehovah's Witness comes to the door, it's his best day ever. He's, he's wishing on a star that they'll come to our house. Come over here, come over here. He's got his Bible ready. So ding. He's like, oh, he said to the girl when she explained what the, what the charity was, he said, oh, sweetheart, why would I ever give to that? He, he said, and he's so beautiful. I think he triggers a lot of feminists too because he calls them sweetheart and darling. <laughs> sweetheart, darling, why would I? Oh, 
have you, have you met people that have gone through that surgery? They're sad. Have you heard of the, of, of the rate of, of suicide? Uh, 80% are, are suicide. He said, why would I do that? Oh, honey, I'd never do that. I'd never give to that. Those people are precious in the sight of God. I don't want to make life harder for them. I don't want them to, to struggle more than they need to. This isn't the solution. This isn't the way. And they're just like, bah, bah, blah, bah. like they, their eyes were so, they didn't know what to say. They'd never heard it before. Now, was that their salvation experience? No. But you can guarantee they would put that truth in their pocket. And they're going to start on their journey with God. I remember what that friendly guy with the obnoxiously blonde hair and brown skin who was buying the very flamboyant sneakers said to me that day, and I put it in my pocket, and I went on my journey with God. Here's what the Bible says. It says, one, one sows the seed, another waters it but then God brings the increase. But if we, if we back away from truth, if we back away from we don't tell the people the truth in love. Truth should always be born from the womb of love. When we're talking about an individual, all right, when we're having a conversation with a person, very mindful of that. And you'll find that, that it'll sit in their pocket and then one day they'll remember what you said and they're going to go on their journey with God of which... Jesus Christ and salvation wow. is at the end. There's a time to weep and a time to warfare. We've got to warfare with the truth, but in order to warfare with the truth, you've got to know it. You've got to know both the spirit of God and the word of God. Amen, Leanne. So then Saul got, he got two oxen and he cut them up. I mean, this is so unbelievably extra. It's excellent. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, if you're not reading the Old Testament, please start. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Saul got two oxen, cut them up into pieces and sent them throughout Israel. What was he saying? If we don't fight to save the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, what was he saying? What is about to happen to them is going to happen to you. Like, let's not pretend that we can have some kind of faux peace here. The same Nahash serpent that is trying to take out the eyes of the people of Jabesh Gilead, he's not going to stop on the outskirts of Israel. He's coming in. He's going to infiltrate the entire camp. So Saul was sending a very strong message to all of Israel. If we don't fight for other people's freedom, we're going to lose ours. We're going to lose ours. And, and that's why, look, I'm not condemning anyone online if you're watching, if you went to Texas. However, I am saying the same Nahash that has tried to gouge out the eyes of people in California, he's not stopping at California. He's not deterred by a state line. Here comes Nahash, dunk. What's wrong? Dunk. Oh, that's Texas. You can't get in there. Um, Revelation 12, 12, full of fury, full of fury, because he knows his time is short. What happens in California will not stay in California. It will leak out to every part of America unless we fight, unless we stand, unless we see this is an issue that needs to be addressed. You cannot take our freedom. 
and people want to pipe off, oh, that awakened church is political. Darn right. Darn right. My question is, why aren't you? What is politics? The issues, the matters of the people until my dying breath. I will be invested in the matters of the people. Do you know why? Because people matter. And I'll tell you this. This, this, this whole last season, in some ways it was, it was so good for us because it woke us up. Woke us up to the reality of, of the importance of a local election. Woke us up to the reality of what is being taught in our schools. Did you know? Nahash is standing at the doorway of another generation wanting to take their sight. Don't see as God intended you to see. Don't see clearly. Don't see with clarity. We have to be armed with the truth, truth in love, and not back down when that truth is under attack and when it's unpopular. Jürgen and I lost a lot of friends. Well, I call them friends, but were they really? But... But, but I, I count it all as an offering to the Lord. God, I give it to you. It hurt. Of course it hurts to lose friends. Of course it hurts to have people distance themselves from you because you are too hot to handle. Of course it hurts. But God planted us in San Diego for a reason. Yes. Not to just play the violin and fiddle and dance our way to the, to, to the destruction of our city. Din, 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 din. And we're in church tone deaf. I will never be tone deaf. When I hear the, the people weeping, I'm not going to sit down and cry with them. I'm going to stand up when the Spirit of the Lord comes on me. That's why I thank God for Pastor Jürgen and the leadership of our church who stood up. What makes the people weep is going to send us to warfare. What makes the people weep is going to send us to warfare. And we have an advantage because we know how the war ends. Well, let me tell you this right now. Jesus Christ is not coming back for a bride that is hiding in a cave, masked up, afraid, eating dehydrated fruit, hiding from the Antichrist. He's coming back for a, a bride, a church that is standing in its full authority. Isaiah 2.2, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be elevated as the most important place on the earth. God is raising up an army to drive back the darkness by turning on the light of truth. I love American history. I had to learn it. To become a citizen, do not be fooled by this Australian accent. I too am an American. I pledged allegiance to the flag. Listen, when God sends you somewhere, you've got to give it your whole heart. Like I, get, I came to America and I gave America my whole heart. So reading about American history, the, the war of independence. Did you know that some of the greatest fighters in the, the Revolutionary War were pastors? They were called the Black Robe Regiment. So they would stand in a pulpit wearing the Anglican, because they were still English at that point, at that point, with their black robes, black Anglican robes, and then they would cast off that robes and underneath would be a military uniform and they would hit the front lines. Almost a million patriots died in that war to secure our freedom. Yeah. 
And now here we stand in this hour in the underbelly of the beast in California. And that those people, those heroes that have gone before us, the Bible says in Hebrews, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And those patriots, most of them, nameless, we don't know their names, are staring down. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Don't tell me my shed blood was for nothing. When we fought for freedom, when we fought for a free America, what does it mean? Religious freedom. That we have the right to worship God in our nation without persecution, peaceably, and without fear. The Black Robe Regiment. America won't be at peace just because we pretend what's happening in other parts of America like Portland won't come here. We were awakened to our laziness, but thank God we're awake. We're awake. Take your place in service. Nahash wanted slaves. The devil has to conscript. But God asked for service willingly and freely. So in this church... We're going to ask you to be part of God's army, to serve, to actually, you know, take your season to sit and understand who we are. And we're an interesting bunch. It may take you you some time. But then take your place on the front lines, however that looks to you, where you can be of service. Because I'll be darned if Nahash is going to take the right eye of another generation on my watch. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, man. And that's why during 2020, we started Awaken Academy. Because we're, we're rejecting what the state is trying to infiltrate our children with. I mean, that stuff would curl your hair. It would curl, like if you, it's shocking what is being taught in our schools. Amen, Leanne. That was, that was good. I'll drink to that. Okay, the second thought I have from this story is we need to adopt the king's speech. Verse 9 says this, Say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, By the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. I love this. It wasn't by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, if we have time and we feel like it, we may rescue you. It was such a definitive statement. It was a statement of faith. It was a statement of complete salvation. Now, we're going to have people coming into our church who are the collateral damage of a world that has been devoid of truth for too long, a a world where Nahash has been able to gouge out the right eye of too many people so they don't see clearly, and then that leaven has spread. And they're going to come in the collateral damage of that, those societal dysfunctions and that lack of truth. And they're going to be coming in with all kinds of brokenness. Please understand, get ready for, for the people that God is about to bring into the doors of the church. Be ready to be shocked at the stories of the people that you're sat next to. I was raised in a Christian home, didn't see a whole lot. And then I became a pastor. 28 years of pastoring, I swear I feel like I'm almost unshockable. Why? Because of the state of the world. 
So when they're coming in the doors, they need that same kind of confession. They need to understand that we actually believe what is written in this book. Because the world will send out mixed messaging. In some ways, it will say you're an overcomer. It will say, hey, you, you, you can be, you, you may have been poor, but if you work hard and you can, you can overcome and you can become this or you can become that. And Hollywood's very good at that. You, you can be a Jamaican bobsledding team that's never seen snow. But if you believe in yourself, then you can win a gold medal at the Winter Olympics. Okay, so they're good at telling these stories of overcoming. Except with certain things, behaviors lifestyles, and then particularly in the area of sexuality, they're things you can't overcome. And if you try, then you're a fraud and a liar and you're not living your truth. And they try to define people by their struggle. So we have a generation of too many people because they've had a feeling because they've had an urge, the world has been quick to affirm, this is who you are. This is who you are. No, no, you're not. God doesn't define you by your struggle. <laughs> we may. The woman with the issue of blood, they, call, they defined her by her struggle. Do you know what Jesus called her? Daughter. Daughter. Son, daughter. So maybe you're here today and you're in one of those struggles. And I will say to you, I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here. Very, very glad you're here. You are very welcome. But in this house, we will not define you by your struggle. We will define you as a son or a daughter of God. We will always do that. The world will tell you there are some things you can't overcome. But every time I read this Bible, I know that's not, that's not true. Jesus said this in the book of Luke, chapter number 18, verse 8. He said, when I return, and he's coming back, y'all. He's coming back. Better get ready. When I return, will I find faith on the earth? Didn't say, will I find kindness? Will I find love? Will I find empathy or tolerance? He said, will I find faith? The reason he said that is because it's going to take faith to unravel some of the biggest issues that our world is caught up in. Faith, faith. And I'm not standing here speaking as someone who has no experience. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking about the experiences I've had in my own life, the things I've seen. God can do it. God can do it. One of my favourite ministers and people in the whole world and one of mine and Jürgen's closest friends, and Jim and Issa, you remember Cy Rogers. Let me tell you the story about Cy Rogers really quickly. He was um, sexually molested as a young boy at the age of three, lost his mother in a car accident, was raised by a very distant father, um, grew up thinking that he was gay, um, and then decided that he wanted to become a woman. I'm not just gay, I'm actually, I was born in the wrong body. Was taking the hormones, all these kinds of things happening, getting ready to have the surgery. Had an encounter with God, went on a journey with God. Things didn't change overnight, but they did change. He kept coming to church. He kept overlooking offenses. He got in a healthy community. He got around good, healthy men who showed him what correct and healthy male love looked like. He died last year 
in his late 60s of cancer after being married for over 40 years, two grandchildren, a beautiful daughter, living a completely transformed life. And not only that, he went around the world speaking of his transformation. Don't tell me it can't be done. We're in Pride Month right now that wants to define people by their struggle. And, and again, if, that's, if you're here today from that community, you're welcome and we're glad you're here. But I wanna say to you today, God does not define you by your struggle. And things can be so much better than they've been. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. When God was speaking to the prophet Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37, he took him to a valley of dry bones. And he said to Ezekiel, the prophet, he said, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? I mean, can you imagine looking at a valley of dry bones? You'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer. And that's pretty much what Ezekiel said. He said, oh Lord, you know, <laughs> you know, good answer. A for effort. And then God said to him, Ezekiel, say to these dry bones, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What's the word of the Lord to the dry bones of our community? What was dead can come to life again. I will breathe life into you, says the word of God. And you will become a living, breathing being again. Alive to God, dead to sin, the brokenness, the corruption, the decay, the emptiness gone. I will breathe my life into you. God wants to breathe his life into you. Adopt the king's speech. You will be rescued. Now we can't help people that don't want to be helped. And the truth is there are people out there that don't want Jesus. Not everybody's gonna be saved because not everybody wants Jesus, but we, we're not preaching to them, we're preaching to the ripe. We're helping the ones who want help, who are asking for help. What is the job of a pastor, of a Christian? Caring. I'm a carer. I'm a spiritual nurse. I'm called to care. And we, we, we don't help those people who aren't asking for help, but heck, if they're asking for it, we're giving it. And the message we bring is one of joy and jubilation. You will be rescued. Your King is coming. You will be rescued. You will be rescued. You will be rescued. This is the message that San Diego needs to hear. The truth spoken in love. A church that is not so fragile that they back down when the heat gets turned up and they're more concerned with being liked and not being on Fox 5 News than they are about doing what's right and truly caring for people. And when they come, the message is this, you will be rescued. Amen, amen, all right. Amen. I'd love it if everybody would close their eyes. Just open your hearts right now. Let the Lord speak to you. God's mercy is available for all who call on Him. The reason the, the, the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead were on the outskirts is because they were traitors. If you read the entirety of the story, 
The people of Jabesh Gilead were on the outskirts of Israel and vulnerable because they were traitors. When Israel went to war and they asked all the tribes to come together, they were having a civil war. Jabesh Gilead didn't come. They weren't there for the fight. So they were outcasts. Nobody had anything to do with them. And yet when they were in trouble, when they were themselves under attack by the enemy and they sent out and asked for help from Israel, Israel responded with grace. Why would Nahash allow Jabesh Gilead to even go and ask for help? What kind of a warlord does that? One who thinks that they won't get the help. He knew the story. He's like, these guys are easy picking because they're traitors. Nobody's going to help them when they ask for help. Oh, but they don't know that the, the mercy of God, the grace of God is inexhaustible. There are some sins that a man or woman can't speak of, but understand this. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. And maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit like the people of Jabesh Gilead. The, the enemies come in and try to, to besiege you and, and destroy you because you've been on the outskirts. You're vulnerable. And today you're asking for help. The word of the Lord to you today is you will be rescued. God's mercy, His grace is bigger than any sin, than any struggle, than any issue and His mercy and His grace are here for you today. In fact, the Bible says where sin abounds, God's grace abounds all the more. And God's grace is here ready to meet you. If you're here and you need to surrender your life to the Lord, you feel a little bit like the Jabesh Gilead people and you're like, it's time. Father, I need you. I need you to rescue me. I'm gonna give you my whole life. I want you to lift your hand up nice and high. Lift it up nice and high. Yeah, I see that hand, ma'am. God bless you. I'm so, so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so proud of you. I feel like there's a couple more. Yes, I see it. God bless you, sir. Up the back there. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? See these two hands. Beautiful. I'm so proud of you guys. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. I'd love it if everybody would stand to their feet. We had two people raise their hands to give their lives to the Lord. That's very exciting. And for the two that raise your hands, one of my friends is going to come find you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to give you a Bible. So don't run off. Let us pray with you. But we're going to pray this prayer together. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be rescued. You will be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for washing away my sin. Thank you that I am a new person. I am born again. Come into my heart. Be my King. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I declare that I am a Christian. I am a child of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I am proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you. 
I know that was a lot to digest, but listen, when you come to church, what I want to do is give you an appetizer and I want you to go home and make an entree out of it, all right? I want you to read this. God wants to speak to you. Oh, He loves you. He loves you so much. And I love you too. And for those of you who raised your hand, you're going to find people who are going to come meet you. Everyone, you're just fabulous. Let me pray for you before you go. Father, I thank you for this great group of people born for such a time as this. Holy Spirit, fall on us like you did on King Saul all those years ago, that we would rise in righteous anger to go about and be part of the greatest rescue mission this city has ever seen. Father, make us bold and courageous. The word says the righteous are as bold as a lion, armed with the truth of God in one hand and the mercy of God in the other. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.